Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome back to Hawks Insiders Summer Series hashtag number three. This is um, today. We on this episode we're looking back. I'm joined by Brad Klebanski and Andrew Weiss. I'll introduce you shortly. Uh, the three favourite Hawthorne non-grand finals that we've been to. So the three favourite games that weren't grand finals that we've been to. Plus, we're honourable mention to the one game we weren't at that we regret. But we're still to this day upset, angry, disappointed, regretful that we weren't at. Um, as I say hello to Brad Clebancy, welcome. Hello, Ash. Hello, Wacey. Good evening, everyone. Andrew Wacey, hello. G'day, Ash. G'day, Brad. And I've got to say, number one, it's very, very unfair making us only pick three games and number two I'm very excited because a lot of these matches we've been lucky enough Ash to cover through what we did with the golden so reliving some of these games and moments with that added insight is going to be fantastic if we had more resource and the more time we'd drop some quotes and some audio into those interviews but we'll just have to wing it on on our memories we're recording this uh we're not here to talk about current affairs with the Hawks. So it's the first day back at training. Uh, the Hawks did all their time trials today. Josh Weddle, my boy, won the time trial. And uh, Mr. F- uh, the one we've all forgotten about, uh, Tyler Brockman, is back in training very well, which is a very good sign. But we'll be talking all 2023 Hawthorne when our spaces resume in very early February. So the one thing I want to talk uh, mention before we start this is the game we're not going to discuss because otherwise we'll all be discussing and it's probably top of all our lists. It's a 2013 preliminary final against Geelong. Uh, no brainer that for anyone, any true Hawthorne supporter, that is one of the best non-grand final games ever uh, been at. But we've discussed it ad nauseum and uh, we just want to get a bit of variety going. So that's inter- instant disqualification for any of those. Um, so we're going to do, basically do go through each of your three. So there'll be a bit of crossover, there'll be games, we're all that we want to discuss quickly. Um, Brad, and we, yeah, Brad, I'll start with you. So give us uh, give us your three and why, why they still linger in your mind. In no particular order, they were very hard to split. I'm sure you guys would have been at, you know, at least two, if not all three of these, but I'll go with number one, round 17, 2001. A beautiful sunny day at the MCG. Hawthorne v Carlton Ash, your nemesis. Down your, by your team, points Brad, three not quarters. Like your team. <laughs> down well, by you can both lay claim to it now. Down by 20 points at three quarter time. Why this was so special for me was because I was at this game with three other Carlton uh, supporters and copped it all day. We were down all day. When you say three other Carlton supporters, that by definition, it means you were a Carlton supporter as well. No, back then I hadn't turned yet. Um, this was the days when I loved uh, the Hawks. Crawford, <laughs> Leckis, and even Stephen Green, Box Hill's star player Stephen Green, all had 26 touches and kicked a goal. But the hero on the day, I don't know if you guys uh, remembered, special mention to uh, reality TV star, I forgot the name of the show he was in, Aaron Lord kicked four that day as well. But the other superstar of the day, who also kicked four, who took a mark probably, oh, you'd say, I reckon 40 metres out, the chaos ball kicked into the forward line, outmarked about eight Carlton players, one Ben Dixon. Now, he shot for goal. I don't know if you've seen it. I watched it back today. 
It wasn't a perfect drop hunt, but it did go straight through the middle. And what I loved so much about this match was is my three Carlton mates didn't even stay for the kick. They knew Dixon was going to kick it. They ran out before he even kicked the goal. So that was number one. Were you at that game, you, you guys? Oh, yeah, I was there. The, 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 my daughter reminded me of this game a lot because it, before the game, they wanted to create the world record for the YMCA. <laughs> and it was led by Sarah from Big Brother. Oh, the bum dance. The bum dance, yes, with the bunny ears. Oh, so she was uh, doing a bit of performance on the ground. Wow, and that was twi- that's twi- 21 years ago. Makes us sound old, doesn't it? It does make us sound old. Do you remember who laid the tackle to create the turnover? Well, it was, it was Daniel Chick had the ball on the boundary line and I was filthy because I think it was Rice ran way over the mark when Chick played on to kick it into Dixon. Yeah, and, and it should have been fifty meters from that kick. So, I mean, you know me and my love of all things aren't. Dixon's mark, Dixon's mark as well was uh, underrated. It was a great mark, great that contestant mark, and I'm pretty sure Sylvani kicked four that day, but he went back late. Um, so yeah, that was that was number one, and I'm sure every, that was yeah. Every single player on the mark as he kicked it, Brad. Yeah. And the celebration of all of them hugging yeah, at each other. And that was the days of, you know, where we were the uh, pretty boys. You know, yeah, Crawford, obviously Daniel Chick had his long hair. Stephen Green with his long hair. His uh, blonde hair, sorry. Um, we had a pretty good team. And I was talking to Ash just before. That was the year, you know, obviously where we made the prelim and we got robbed by Goldspink against the Bombers. You know, when Trent Crowe hit the post from about 60 metres out in the prelim final. But anyway... And also, Ash, the day Peter Schwab didn't coach that day because he. I was going to say the Schwab backstory. The Schwab backstory had the heart palpitations and wanted to Chris Connolly, the great. Oh yeah, did a very funny Golden News podcast with us talking about that day. Chris is a great guy. He's a super guy. So and uh, so did so did Dicko. Remember on yeah. on his Golden News, he talked about because it was <laughs> for this game specifically. He said that he, um, we've all got a bucket of chips to thank for the fact that he kicked the goal because he had spotted a kid behind the goal yeah. with chips. And that was how we'd learn, pick something, focus on it. And he was kicking at that bucket of hot chips on the day. So, Well, Dicko did end up going on to be, he was our goal kicking coach for a few years, Ash, uh, wasn't he? Yeah. And then he went to St Kilda did the same and, uh, it didn't do very, very yeah, well. Yeah, it wasn't great there, but we'll move on. Let's Brad, number two. Up. Talking of St Kilda, Hawthorne St Kilda, round 12, 1999. I happened to go out to Waverley Park that day. I was quite young in 99. I was uh, about 14 or 15 years old then. But I decided to sit, I don't know why, in the Hawthorne cheer squad. And a quarter time, it wasn't looking pretty when we were down 58 to 7. Halfway through the second quarter, we were down by 63 points. And somehow, in the second half, Kicked 13 goals to three and won by 13 points. Dutchy Nicolin kicked five. Nathan Thompson kicked three. Our team of the century interchange member Paul Salmon and Daniel kicked two. Daniel Harper kicked two. Salmon also had 38 hitouts and 16 touches. He was a superstar player. And that was, you know, obviously played against uh, Spider Everett. Um, and I'm pretty sure that day, Ash, uh, Tim Watson was coaching St Kilda. And, you know, obviously Timmy didn't have a great career at the Saints, but that game sticks in my mind because obviously I was in the Hawthorne cheer squad that day. 
And I remember the guys walking off, you know, arm in arm down uh, the members' side, I think, at uh, Waverley, Ash, which, um, you know, Weesey uh, spoken about, you know, with uh, the wooden benches. And it was just a brilliant day out at uh, Waverley Park. And the record stood for quite a long time. So that was um, a fantastic game. Ash, I think you missed that game, didn't you? I was working that day, that evening, and I remember driving around the streets of Caulfield, listening to that game, uh, thinking, why the hell wasn't I there? I basically did a roster sh- a swap with someone who wanted to work that day. I usually worked the day that I worked that night. So, no, not there. That's, I mean, if I was, was one of the, the type of game I'm going to mention for having regrets not being at, but clearly disappointed I wasn't at that game. Tim Watson's famous quote after that game, by the way, was uh, something along the lines of heads like boarding school puddings. <laughs> about his players. It's a quote he still brings up from time to time. Weesey, so you've got a bit of interest in that game? Yeah, you often refer to this as the game that I've written my thesis on, Ash. So <laughs> I mean, I've still got I've still got the record, the newspaper clippings, my first piece of memorabilia was from this game. Um on top of the stuff that Brad's mentioned, some of my recollections, um, the double fifty meter penalty against Spider Everett. Um, Colica had the ball uh, 50 metres for not giving it back on time. Spider going absolutely nuts, giving Colica a rare career goal. Uh, Spider getting dragged and um, the coach's box where Timmy Watson was sitting was behind us in the AFL members. The biggest spray from Spider as he was coming off the ground. It was just unbelievable. Um a salmon palm down to Harford for his running snap is one of my favourite goals of all time. And then, I mean, the other thing that sticks out, Angelo Lekas, who ended up getting a couple of Brownlow votes for the game. Um, again, I've got those articles. So the the quotes of those articles are from Lekas. And the headline is, it'll be the best win of our lives with him having gone into halftime telling everyone that we were going to win this game and confidence was high. So absolute cracker. I think North and Essendon, uh, maybe a few years later, Essendon maybe broke the record that we set in that game. But, uh, yeah, absolute cracker. Sadly for um, sadly for Ange- Angelo Lekas, he's proven right because I think with the exception of Shane Crawford, who played in the 2008 Premiership, it would have been the best game of their lives. I can't think of too many better games. Maybe the Port Adelaide final a few weeks after that might be might have topped it for some of those players, but uh, it was quite present, really. It was, a, as we talked about a few times, it was a fairly middling period for Hawthorne, so it was a truly great win. It was. Game number three, Hawthorne v Melbourne, round 22, 1996, the merger game. Close to 65,000. At the MCG a Friday night. Hawks Saturday had a, night. Oh, sorry, Saturday night. Hawks had a win to make the finals. I think we had a draw that year. So we had a win to finish eight. David Neitz kicked four in the first quarter. It was close all night. Dunstall kicked 10 that game. And we only won by one point to win. Crawford kicked two. We only had we had five goal kickers that, that night. Dunstall obviously kicked 10, won us the game. Interesting on that game, I had a look. Neats obviously kicked six. Alistair Clarkson led the Demons with 29 possessions. Melbourne weren't great that year. I think they finished third or fourth bottom. But obviously, you know, that was in the lead up in the discussions 
would would we merge? Won't we merge? You know, obviously that was very yeah, emotional. Uh, I read a lot today about that game, how the Melbourne players said that was the most emotional game they've ever played in. Um, I just start to remember the crowd when the final siren went were just, you know, somewhere in shock. No one knew what to do. Were we going to merge? Weren't we going to merge? It was um, it was an interesting night. I was only young then. I was only 12 or 13, but it still sticks in uh, my mind, sitting level uh, 2A in the Southern Stand, you know, level 2A now. I don't think it was the Southern Stand back then, Ash. You might, yeah, no, um, it was. It was. But, um, yeah, that, that was just a surreal, surreal experience. And obviously, Dunstall kicking, you know, 10, 10 goals and we only won by one point. But just the fact that we only won by one point and the whole build-up to that game was just unbelievable. Ash, you were probably working at that game. Yeah, I was working that game, covering for the age. Um, I've got a lot of recollections. Firstly, um, that afternoon there was an anti-merger rally at Glenferry Glen Over that I went to with my daughter who was 18 months at the time and somehow I lost her for about five minutes. She ran off. <laughs> I put her down as I looked around and she wasn't there anymore. So uh, that, so that was, we're talking about that as a family dinner the other night, that nearly losing my daughter at the, mer- at the anti-merge rally. So I um, I remember I sat in the crowd. I remember sitting in the press box as Hawthorne ran out and the press box is on the, uh, the old member stand. And they, you know, in those days they'd do the, you know, they'd, do all these long run-throughs before the game, and they turned into a run-through towards the southern stand. And the crowd stood up as one, and a lot of them were holding up no merger signs. And, and that yeah. actually, to me, was an indication that I thought the merger vote was in trouble because there were so many Hawthorne supporters there cheering noisily. And, and it was like the first sign of where have all these people been? Like, why has Hawthorne got 13,000 members? And there's this many people are come out to watch the game. So that gave me a great deal of encouragement about there being this latent Hawthorne, latent and apathetic Hawthorne supporter base that hadn't been there for a long time. So, so I had to do a colour piece for the age. So I sort of spent the first half sitting in the crowd to try and get a bit of colour. And then I returned to the press box for the third quarter. And I remember this clearly. Lee Matthews was sitting in the press box. He was on the break between coaching Collingwood of Brisbane. And as things got really tight in the last quarter and the Hawthorne player kicked the goal, Matthews, who tries to be dispassionate about these things, he got out of his seat and cheered and went, yes, when Hawthorne <laughs> kicked the goal. So I knew that he clearly rec- understood the gravity of the occasion. Um, even I think he might have been pro-merger, but he uh, it, that's the sort of night it was. It just got people so emotional. And then I, I went to both rooms after the game. and it was, you know, that Hawthorne, Hawthorne had won to make the finals, so talk of the merger was off, off the, you know, I was talking about what it meant for their futures because they had a final to win. Yeah, and, it was, to Sydney. Yeah, and I'm uh, looking at uh, the team. We had a like, we actually had a decent team. I know a few guys were coming to the end, but Nick Holland had 24 and kicked two. Obviously, Crawford, Dunstall kicked 10. Harford, Platten, Salmon, um, Darren Pritchard, Darren Kapler, who we've spoken about a few weeks ago, Mark Graham, Ray Jenke, Tony Woods, Daniel Chick, Chris Langford, Andy Collins, Anthony Condon, Paul Hudson. These are obviously guys, you know, who were part of our, you know, really successful period in the late 80s and early 90s. They obviously, you know, Ash, probably a lot of them would have finished up at the end of that year or, you know, end of 2000. You know, yeah. uh, before uh, before uh, 2000, most would have probably finished up at the end of 96, 97 or 98. Not sure. I mean, did you just go back and had a quick exercise to go through one day? Maybe we'll do it. There's a story. How many – the Melbourne Hall, two would have been the players picked in the squad. If, you, if they had open – they carte blanche to pick – the, yeah, well, yeah, well, the, the Melbourne side, you, 
Uh, you look at it, as I said, Clarkson at 29. Jeff Farmer kicked four. You obviously had the Phoebe brothers. Nate's played. Um, Leon Chelly, the Lovett brothers, Brett and Glenn Lovett. Um, but we were Hawthorne was a lot stronger. Todd Viney and Adam Uze played. Jimmy Steins played. Um, but on paper, if you look at the two sides, Hawthorne was a lot stronger. Well, Melbourne's, Melbourne's made a preliminary final two years later and Hawthorne really crashed and burned after that. So I'm not sure. I mean, they probably would have gone for more Hawthorne players. And, and the other thing, the, the other discussion point at the time, of course, was who'd be the coach at Neil Baum or, or Ken Judge. It's mostly, when the merger started, the assumption would be it would be Neil Baum. But I think as the season went on, people realised what a fantastic job Ken Judge had done that year to get Hawthorne into the finals. They were so terrible the year before. Mm. To make the finals with all the, all the nonsense going on was a really fine coaching effort. So I suspect he might have got the job in the end. Okay, we see. And we'll, what we'll, um, thanks for that, Brad. We'll get back to the game we regret not being at uh, at the back half of the podcast. So we see, give us your, your big three. For sure. Well, similar to Brad in no particular order, I'm going to start with the final round of the season in 1999, the last game of Waverley Park. And um, 99, despite uh, the lack of results based on expectation, was actually a really enjoyable season where we obviously had the Ansett Cup win. We had the St Kilda game that Brad's talked about. We had the five five wins on the trot coming home and the Hawk walk in, in full swing. Um, and that last game at Waverley was incredible. Starting with, I distinctively remember um, having not been to grand finals. It was the best Hawthorne banner I could ever recall. Like I used to think that uh, with all due respect to any former cheer squad members that might be listening, uh, our banners were always terrible and it might have been the Waverley effect and the wind and always terrible, always uh, small, always ripping. But the banner for that game was an absolute monster, the full colour Waverley. So that was the first recollection of the game. Obviously the biggest sour point was that it was the last Waverley game, but it was just a carnival. I remember it as well, yeah. The the only game I can compare it to from a feeling point of view is the West Coast Grand Final where you just enjoyed every single moment of it because it was an absolute trouncing. It was also Lockett's last day, uh, last game, I think, um, for the Swans. Well, um, it was his last game in... Thought it'd be his last game, Melbourne, of course, the AFL. And when Wayne Jackson was asked afterwards, <laughs> why was he surprised about there being such a big crowd? Did it say something about uh, the popularity of Waverley? He said, Well, I'm not sure about that. I think you'll find it. You know, it was Tony Lockett's last game. <laughs> well, it had nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. Because we, we went on and won by 85 points. Uh, Tomo and Dutchy kicked 11 between them. And it literally, it was, it was electric. It was a party atmosphere all day. It was bloody enjoyable. It was the best possible send-off for Waverley, which obviously as a club, we didn't want to leave, but we St Kilda bowing to the pressure of the powers that be and relocating. There was no other choice. Um, Brad, you say you remember that day. I assume similar fond memories. Oh, absolutely. And I remember, it was a nice day. 
there was about how many? Was there close? Was there about seventy thousand? Over seventy thousand. Yeah, well, they reckon there was seventy two, but uh, they that it is understood. But no, a lot more than that. And that's yeah, not there it could have been was, close to 85, 90,000. Absolutely. The atmosphere, I remember, was just, um, as uh, you said, uh, Lisa, it was just a, just a, it was a fun day. It was just an enjoyable day. And obviously they played so well. Again, you know, uh, you look at the side that day, as you said, you know, Holland, again, you know, 21 possessions, 13 marks, five goals. Um, you know. three uh, that day and had... But, if you look at the team, Jonathan Hay obviously played fullback. Tony Lockett only had five kicks. He did kick four goals, but, you know, we're so used to Lockett kicking, you know, six-plus every time he played. Um, you know, we kicked – what do we kick that day? We kicked 23 goals, 15 kicks, 153 points. So it was a good day. You know, had Joel Smith, Tony Woods, Lekas, obviously, Dicko, Harford, you know, Lord, Jade Rawlings, Tr- Crowe, Anthony Rock. And he played for us. Obviously, said Tomo kicked six. It was just a, it was a fun, just a fun day. I left the house at twelve thirty that day. I lived just not far from North Road, so really just straight down North Road into Wellington Road. Somehow, sweet talked my way into the car park. It was full, even yeah. with the media pass, and just parked on the side on an embankment, you know, somewhere. And I, I sprinted into the ground just as Hawthorne ran out. Um, so I was in the, in the car for an hour. And, 15 minutes to just to get the what normally would take on a normal day 25 minutes. Um, but the atmosphere with Hawthorne ran out was was quite incredible. And you're right, it was just a party. Party. Uh, so that's a, a good one to remember. And, you know, I'm sure we'll end up doing some more stuff in the future about Waverley because every time in our group we start, something happens about Waverley, uh, the memories come come back and uh, it's clear that Hawthorne supporters loved it as a venue despite uh, some of the obvious complaints about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, no doubt there'll be more stories to tell regarding Waverley. Uh, my second game is probably one that more people are less familiar with and that would be um, round 12, 2008 against Adelaide at Amy Park. Um, we managed to beat them by three points. And one of the reasons that was pretty special was personal experience. Flew there with one of my mates. It was the two of us to have a weekend away. Uh, managed to sneak through into the members, which happened to be where the coaches' boxes were. So we were the only two Hawthorne supporters pretty much in the whole section. Um, got to chat to and uh, high five and all, all the coaching fraternity going up and down each time. Um, I recall succinctly at the start of the third quarter, and it was to and fro the whole night. It was just back and forth. Sam Mitchell kicked an absolutely brilliant running goal about 45 out on his right. Uh, and we just went absolutely crazy. Um, the passage of play that led to our winning goal, um, there was an incredible uh, contested mark by Clinton Young in the build-up. I recall it because I reckon it could be Clinton Young's only contested mark in <laughs> his career. Took a really good one-on-one, belted it in long. Um, Cyril... Um, had a bit of body work before the ball sort of scooped it out to Hodgie. Uh, he's about 30, 25 metres out on an angle. One of 
the greatest candy cells you would ever see had Scott Stevens flying past him before drilling it. Um, there was still about five minutes to play and, and we ended up waxing it. Uh, it was our first win at Amy Park in 14 years, so it was pretty significant um, and obviously part of the momentum building in 2008. Um, and then just to top it all off, on our way out of the ground, we managed to sneak into um, the post-match Hawks function and it was it was electric. There were past players, players came in, came in and joined us. Um, there were speeches, singing the song non-stop, and it went for quite some time in the ground, uh, goading Adelaide supporters as they walked. It was just incredible. It was an incredible uh, Adelaide experience. Do you guys have any recollection of that game at all? It's been on TV. Franklin kicked a great goal that game as well. I think he did. Yeah, Buddy well. won that game. Uh, Ruffy kicked three. Mark Williams kicked two. Obviously, you know, we went on to win the flag that year. Away strip as well. That, that one of the better. We were in the white, wider away strip with the uh, that yeah. brown hawk. It's one of the better ones they've had. Jared Morton had 24 touches. Was he Mitch Morton's brother, Ash? I don't remember Jared Morton. Yes, he was. Number 35. Yeah, number 35. Jared Morton, 24 touches. He obviously didn't play in the in the grand final side at the end of the year. Most of the guys in the side that night, as Tom Murphy, our uh, whipping boy, played that game. Tim Clark was in the team. Timmy Boyle, who went on to become a writer at the age, didn't he, Ash? He was he quite did. a... He was a um, he was, you know, played a, you know as our third forward back then. Brent Renouf, Robbie Campbell... It was one of those I ones think, that we thought there, in the, you know, to beat Adelaide then was a, t- a tough – in Adelaide, it was bloody hard. It was one of those wins after you thought, well, they're a pretty good team. To do, to yeah, do and, and good team. yeah, Adelaide's team was was, real, was really strong that year. They had a, they had a, their team on paper was pretty good. And hindsight's great, but the kids that stood out were Buddy, Ruffhead, Hodge, yeah, Mitchell and Lewis – were all absolutely amazing all night. So, um, yeah, absolute, uh, absolute top top shelf memory for me. Um, and then my third game um, is based around the elation of feeling finals victory. And I don't need to go into too much detail about the game specifically, but you'll know which game I'm talking about if I simply say Crawford signals to kick it long, chips <laughs> it in board to Rick Ladson, takes a couple of steps back, hits Buddy 50 metres out, Buddy goes back, kicks number seven, double covers, and it was just party time. And um, actually some of my favourite Hawthorne vision, not just the post-match celebrations because all the players went nuts, but every single time you see the replay of Buddy doing the arms out uh, and the double cobras, the, the double fist pumps, and you look in the background of every Hawthorne fan just going off their chops. It is yeah, just one of those moments. Yeah. It was that was unbelievable. I, I remember that day. The roof was open. It was a hot day. We were down the whole game. We 
We're down a quarter time, down at half time, down at three quarter time. Went on to win by three points. It was a Channel Ten game, so I'm not sure if you were. I think it was was caught, was it Michael Christian calling it and Michael and, Christian and uh, Tim Lane were calling it. Yeah, it was just brilliant. So you, watching the, uh, the replays, you know, was unbelievable. Obviously, the year before we won uh, the flag, but again, you know, the guys. We had playing that day it was obviously, you know, Buddy was really young then, but, you know, Croft had 33, Mitchell and Sewell and Hodge were, you know, brilliant in the midfield. You know, Guerra down back, Jordan Lewis, obviously one of his, you know, Campbell Brown was obviously the start of, you know, what went on to become our, you know, premiership team in 2008. But that day was, yeah, similar to the Waverley Park game against the Swans at the end. Everyone was just going absolutely nuts. It was like a party at the end. I wasn't working there. I was doing my, on my sabbatical from working in the footy media, so I was just the, the crush of Julian Hawthorne supporters walking back to Southern Cross Station. You, you yeah. feet barely touching the ground, and everyone just floating with that absolute uh, jubilation at what they'd just seen. So that, that was a uh, that was a fantastic day as well. So um, and that was potentially obviously Buddy with his seven takes the spoils, but. You know, Ruffy's three goals. Um, Hodge had 25 touches. Uh, Brad Sewell was amazing that day with 26. It was, and Sam Mitchell had 29. So um, to do that the year before, obviously winning the flag, that step along the journey to automatically go we can win these games, we can win big games, we can win finals and, um, yeah, we've we've got the group to be able to do it. So, magical moment. Yeah, and one more just to add to the list, Ash, uh, for your who are these players who always kick goals against Hawthorne looking at the Crows? Ken McGregor, four, four goals. <laughs> who, who, was Ken, who was Ken McGregor? Four goals from six kicks. <laughs> six kicks, four goals. Unbelievable. Nearly the difference. You can add to, <laughs> add to the list. All right, so my three favourite games, I'm going to go back in history a bit more and look at the 70s and 80s, certainly before I uh, was sort of covering footy for a living. So 1976, round 11 at Princess Park. Hawthorne played Geelong. It was 1v2. Um, it was Queen's birthday Monday. It was a bit of a master v pupil because uh, John Kennedy was still the coach of Hawthorne and um, Rod Olsen was coach of Geelong and he was sort of the, the former Hawthorne player and it was seen as a bit of a master v pupil or master v apprentice coaching game. Uh, and some thought Rod Olsen was going to be the next coach of Hawthorne and he ran out of patience and went to coach Geelong. So Hawthorne won by 20... It was 11-22... 88 to 11, 10, 76. But I mean, it was at 33,000, which by Hawthorne, so Hawthorne had a big following in the 70s. That was a huge crowd by Hawthorne. Um, Hawthorne numbers, there were people everywhere. There was a really big build up to that game. I was fortunate enough to, I was only a kid, little kid at the time, but we went with people who were uh, some family friends who were involved in the conference coterie group. And they used to have a lunch room. In the, in the Heatley stand, the old Heatley stand that led directly to the room. So I was able to go down before the game, watch the team warm up, do their pre-game warm up, which is pretty cool to see how much, how hard they worked before a game. And then after this really great win, then be able to go to the rooms after the game and pretty much get every player's autograph um, as they were sort of after that showering and 
what have you. Again, for 11, 11 at the time, to be absolutely starstruck. But it was also a really important win for Hawthorne that um, against a, a team that was seen at the time as their biggest threat for the Premiership. So it, to watch the game in such uh, luxury, relative luxury, if there was luxury at the footy in 1976, that's a game that uh, always sticks out to me. Um, second game I want to mention is 1982. It was Carlton v Hawthorne. Hawthorne v Carlton, if I'm being uh, absolutely correct, at Princess Park. So this was the, the David Parker had crossed the Carlton the year before, and there was a fair bit of uh, anger uh, and bitterness from Parker, and probably justifiably so, when he moved to Carlton, uh, when he was sacked by Hawthorne. And Carlton had won the first three games against Hawthorne since he'd crossed over pretty comprehensively. And basically, he outcoached Alan Jones every time because he, he knew, he just knew the Hawthorne players and, and what they would do, and he had Carlton planned accordingly. Um, so before this game, uh, as the story goes, uh, somebody was fossicking around a, a dusty drawer or dusty cabinet at, at Grenferry Oval and found Parkins' dossiers from when he was coach of Hawthorne. They found his Carlton dossier. So they gave it to Jeans, Jeans who didn't go for that sort of, you know, he wasn't all sort of into that sort of studying scouting opposition, but he handed out to the players before the game and said, a lot of this stuff still counts. So for the first time, the Hawthorne players had a bit of a chance to assess what the Carlton players were doing, even if it was a couple of years old. Um, now in the first game that year, um, they, uh, Lee Matthews collected um, Ken Hunter. It was a pretty crude, dirty piece of play by Matthews as was a bit common at the time, and he um, he collected Ken Hunter, kneed him in the back, and right in front of the Carlton Social Club, um, and it was Carlton's home game, so that one, so Carlton, all the Social Club was all Carlton people, and they gave it to Matthews like you've never heard, and Carlton won the game, and David Parkin wrote a letter to Lee Matthews afterwards, his great friend, saying how dis- how deeply disappointed he was in Matthews' actions towards Hunter and he'd lost a bit of respect for him as a player. So as you can imagine, even though they shared a ground, the atmosphere between the two clubs was poisonous. So the return game to Princess Park, it was Hawthorne's home game this time, which meant the not that I was sitting in the Hawthorne stand, but the social club stand was shared between Carlton supporters and Hawthorne supporters. So apparently they were fighting, there were fights and arguments between the, the social club all day. It was highly, highly charged. Um, and Carlton... Well, the hot faves because people the consensus was Hawthorne couldn't beat Carlton. Parkin just was too smart, and that Hawthorne weren't good enough to. And Carlton were the reigning premiers, and Hawthorne had missed the finals, even though they were a pretty good team in '82. So Carlton leads by three points at half time, but just before half time, a Carlton player. I'm not going to defame anybody, but I've got strong suspicions who it was, and Hawthorne players knew who it was. Initials. Uh, well, it's two suspects. One was WJ and the other one's RK, so you can work it out from there. Somebody hit Lee Matthews behind the plate as retribution for the Hunter clash from the first game. And Matthews had blood streaming from his nose. Anyway, got that Hawks show in the half time and Bobby Yeomans, who was the trainer, it was pure Lee Matthews' personal trainer, went up to him to wipe the blood off and Matthews snarled at him and said, leave it. So... He wanted the Hawthorne player to see blood all over his face. So Matthews plays the second half with blood caked face, and Hawthorne uh, kicks six goals to four in the second in the third quarter, and then kicks five goals to one in the last quarter to win by 
34 points in the end. And it was just the sweetest win because there's been so much, such a rivalry built up between the two clubs, all since Park and had crossed and then the Matthews Hunter incident at Hawthorne thought they were never going to beat Carlton. And, had, and it was important because Carlton was the rating premier and, and the team to beat for the flag that year. And the Hawthorne supporters were just carrying on. Like, and you talk about party atmosphere. This was a party, yeah. but it was a nasty, a nasty party atmosphere at the end. The, 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 apparently the atmosphere in the social club, and I've got friends who, are, who still talk about that game. It was really, really, it was a really different atmosphere in this shared social club between Hawthorne and Carlton. Who were some of the players in the t- uh, Who were some of the players in the team that day? Well, I was going to say just the lazy twenty nine touches, three goals and four behinds for Matthews. Yeah, he uh, uh, was was a, the basis of the eighty three Premiership team. There were guys like Bacanara, uh, Michael Byrne, Rodney Ede, Russell Green, John Kennedy, uh, Richard Loveridge, Chris Mew, Kelvin Moore, David O'Halloran. Uh, Colin Robertson played, Russo, Schwab, Tuck Walsh. It's a pretty handy team Hawthorne played. Knights didn't play in that game. He was injured a lot back then. But that was a really sweet day to be a Hawthorne supporter. And unfortunately, they then lose to Carl- lost to Carlton twice more in the finals. Um, funny thing, Hawthorne couldn't beat Carlton that year, but twice beat Richmond, who played Carlton in the grand final. So if Hawthorne somehow found a way to beat Carlton in, in a final, they probably would have won the premiership. But it was just a really sweet day. At the time, when my dislike of the Carlton Football Club. Gentlemen, you'll be surprised, was probably at its peak around then. And uh, a great day to be a Hawthorne supporter. My third game is actually a year before that. It again involves Lee Matthews. So it was the first game of 1981. Um, it was Ron Barassi's first game as coach of Melbourne. After the, the, the prodigal homecoming, finally, the, 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 the legend of the club was coming home to coach. Um, and it was Alan Jeans' first game as coach of Hawthorne. Not that you would have known it because all the attention the whole week was around Barassi um, going back to coach Melbourne. And there was quite a big, about 32,000, 33,000 people at the MCG. Barassi walks out. I, I know this because I, I, I read a match report on, in the archives the other day. Barassi walks out to a standing ovation for the MCC members. He does a walk. For, I don't know if you remember where the old Melbourne Players Race was in the old Northern Stand towards a coach's box in the MCC members walking on the boundary, giving the Royal wave and he's getting the standing ovation. And you just sort of got the feeling and no one knew Hawthorne were going to be any good or not um, that year, but, and what James was going to bring to the team. Um, and then the first quarter in the reserves game, Melbourne totally ran over Hawthorne. And so people thought, well, Melbourne will be too fit for Hawthorne. And, Every Hawthorne supporter just had a really sick feeling. Then Melbourne jumped out to a four-goal lead in the first quarter, and you thought, well, this is just going to be... It was the worst day of the football. And then Matthews decided to do something about it. He then went on to kick 11 goals for Hawthorne, and Hawthorne ended up winning the game by about six goals. Um, So Lee Matthews kicked 11, uh, shut the Melbourne supporters up, showed what an absolute superstar he was, um, and the Melbourne supporters had... It's not for the first time, not for the last time against Hawthorne, just slunk home silently. But it was Matthews at the peak of his powers just to watch him kick 11 goals. And he was already then by, he was entering his 13th season as a league footballer by then. I mean, he was, the guy was a freak. Um, and so that was, uh, that's probably the other day at the football that I just really remember as being a, a really, really special day. Um all right, so now I just want to ask you each the one game you never got to for whatever reasons that to this day you're still kicking yourself or you're really sad you didn't get to. Brad? 
Well, you mentioned it off the top, and I know you said you didn't want to talk about it and go into detail. The 2013 prelim against Geelong, I was sick. I had my ticket, couldn't go. I remember watching it by myself on the TV. I don't think I sat down once. I paced up and down the entire game. And at the end, I was absolutely spent. I felt like I'd run a marathon, but not being at that game, and I'm sure you guys, you know, we've spoken about it, arguably, you know, our greatest win other than a grand final, you know, greatest, one of the greatest finals wins, I reckon, because I was at, I think, 2014, that game against Port Adelaide on the, you know, this, the, that game where they came and came and came in the last quarter. Um, but, yeah, missing out on 2013 for me was really disappointing, especially because it was the, you know, which obviously went on to be the first of our three-peat. Um, I'll say what was it like watching on TV? Was it more nerve-wracking to be in the ground or because you, you could see the countdown clock? Do you sort of probably... No, definitely, definitely better at home. I find it at the games. Yeah, obviously, you don't know how long's left. Um, a lot more stressful at the game. And at least at home, you can, you know, you can abuse uh, the TV and scream and shout. But, um, yeah, not being there at the game, because I can imagine the atmosphere at that game when that final siren went, everyone would have just been spent, like just emotional wrecks. Especially after 2000, you know, we obviously lost the grand final in 2012. We lost the prelim to Collingwood in 2011. Another one to add to the list, Ash. Luke Ball snapping the ball from 45 metres when he can't kick more than 30 metres. Um, but, yeah, that 2013 was, yeah, really wished I was there. Michael Oswald not standing where he's supposed to be at a stoppage. Um, <laughs> there's really good YouTube footage around. You can still find it. Hawthorne supporters going off after that game. If, uh, if you find it around, around M10, that area, the FCG, Hawthorne sports going absolutely tropo after the siren. So if you want to know what the atmosphere was like, that night, talk about the crowd, and the crowd was absolutely crazy. Uh, look that up on YouTube. Weezy? Yeah, just on that game, which was definitely would have been in my top three uh, if we were allowed to, um, talking to Sean Burgoyne about how the goal that he kicked, actually his wife uh, dropped the mark from that kick in the stand, and every time he watches it with his kids or his kids get it on to watch it, they uh, talk about that moment that she actually dropped right. the ball. So that was interesting. Um, mine um, just so happened to be a couple of weeks after my 21st birthday. Um, all of my friends made their way over to uh, Adelaide for the semi-final at Football Park um, against Port the John Barker game and that rubbed it in even more because that that episode we did with John Barker was absolutely incredible, probably the best that we've done. But um, my mum, bless her, in her wisdom, decided that my 21st party for all of her friends would be on that Saturday night. So while my whole crew of friends that I watched the footy with made their way over for that game, I had um, I had a group of, you know, 50-plus-year-olds <laughs> that I was uh, giving a speech to uh, at mum and dad's house with the footy on in the background. <laughs> so that's my biggest uh, regret, having not been to that game. I think I've told the story before, but I was at a, uh, I was at a function as well that I didn't think I'd be invited to, but I was. 
and I'm trying very hard not to duck out and get scores. And I decide with about three minutes to go, I had the tradie, that little radio, so I'm just going to disappear into the car park for the last few minutes to listen to the game. And just I was walking out, uh, someone I hadn't seen for a long time, Ashley, how are you? And just bails me up <laughs> in a corner. You know, wanted to catch up on 15 years since we'd last seen each other. Oh, what's going on in your life? Blah, 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 blah. So 15 minutes. And those are the days when you didn't have people te- sending you text messages by the phone or whatever. And so one's about 15 minutes after the game that actually was able to check the, Got the score. Find out the score, and I had to text them. Did we win? And it was like, uh, yeah, and it was like, yeah, so, yes, it was amazing. So um, that's my record of that game. The game I regret not being, and I was overseas at the time, so it wasn't like I really could make a conscious decision to, to go or not to go. But it was in 1985, and it was, and actually, it wasn't a Hawthorne win. It was a draw against North Melbourne that gets shown on Fox Footy quite a bit, and also you can see it on YouTube and. Uh, Again, the build-up was John Kennedy's first game against Hawthorne, the Hawthorne legend. Um, he'd been coached in North Melbourne, a decision that surprised everybody and upset a lot of Hawthorne people. And again, I mean, I, I wasn't there, but from all reports, the build-up to that game was enormous. And it was a fantastic game. It was, uh, I think it was both teams kicked 19 goals uh, to, for the draw. And Hawthorne, Ken Judge kicked what he thought was the winner with about 30 seconds to go to put Hawthorne in front by goal. It had been a seesawing game all day. And then uh, Phil Cracker just kicked this. North just won the hit out. And Phil Cracker dodged his way to pass about six players and kicked the goal to tie it um, with about 10 seconds to go. And then the, and the siren went. And on the TV commentary, you know, Peter Landy's calling it, and Lou Richards are calling the game, saying, oh, what a fitting result, Jeans and Kendi, the great old friend, it's a draw. And um, So I just remember thinking it was, uh, I was obviously, no, no, it was going to be a big game and 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 not a bit sad that I wasn't going to be there for it. And then a few days later, finding out that it had been a draw uh, when I got when I saw a paper or something overseas was uh, was uh, sort of, knew I'd missed a pretty special game of football. And even now, I said, I'm not one to watch a lot of replays when Hawthorne doesn't win, but if that game's on TV or I stumble across it on YouTube, I uh, I can't help but uh, watch that last quarter. It was, it was an amazing game. So that's a game that I wasn't at. And obviously, the odd will mention there is, I, is that we talked about before that I wasn't at the comeback game. So that still uh, sticks in my core a bit, but uh, I did make it to Waverley for that one. Yeah, similarly, one of the games we just mentioned, I, I wasn't at the merger game. Uh, I was playing Gluttony in the Wesley College production of Faust, uh, <laughs> one of the seven deadly sins as Gluttony, my only acting role in my career. Uh, so I was listening on the on the transistor as well in the uh, backstage in between the three minutes of stage time that I had. Well, you missed a pretty um, amazing night. That has been our third summer special on Hawks Insiders. We'll probably crank out one or two more before we resume the regular spaces and regular transmission at the start of February. Um, thank you, everyone. We had a great response to a recently published article, uh, Morris piece on the Hawthorne Rucks situation um, on Hawks Insiders. It's huge uh, interest, lots of great numbers, and a lot of people really intrigued as to where the Hawthorne Rucks situation Sits, we will discuss that in more depth when we get back into the regular spaces, as I said, in a few weeks' time. Uh, but in the meantime, thanks everyone for their support of Hawks Insiders, $5 a month, $50 a 
for the year of great Hawthorne content coming at you. Uh, Brad, thank you. Thank you very much. That was great. Time flies when you're having a good time. Good memories. They were always good memories. Boise, thank you as always. Always a pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll have another summer special coming at you before too long, and we will talk to you again more regularly when we get back to Christmas footy season, start February. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy. Keep enjoying your summer holidays. And bye.